Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project MedTech. I am your host, Dwayne Mancini. As always, if you have any suggestions for future guests or want to get in touch with a guest that has already appeared on the podcast or get in touch with myself, please email the podcast at projectmedtechpodcast at gmail.com. Today, my guest is Alberto Chan. Alberto has investing experience on early stage companies as a venture capital analyst, and he is now the co-founder and managing principal at Sano Invest. In this episode of the podcast, I've interviewed Alberto in regards to the private health insurance market and how medical device companies can take advantage of that market space as a parallel path in their reimbursement strategy. And that is what we spent 30 minutes discussing. So if you want to learn about this process, Alberto's your guy, and this was a great intro into that area. We did do some deep dives, but Alberto is a wealth of knowledge, so we obviously did not have enough time to get all of that out. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my discussion with Alberto Chan. Alberto, thank you uh, for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, Dwayne. Great to be here. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you, you run uh, Sano Invest, but let's, let's talk about your uh, background. How did you get into the medical device industry? Yeah, I um, actually parachuted into it. I uh, wasn't a first choice. So <laughs> I was born and raised in Brazil. I'm actually an industrial engineer and, you know, Asian family. They want me to be a doctor, but could not be blood man <laughs> <laughs> so um out of school had a startup that failed and that landed me a venture job um seed investing in brazil i did that for a couple of years but a friend of mine had a, a business a startup in healthcare in china and you know i was still young and i wanted like explore i think thought brazil was like too small for me <laughs> So I just packed my things and went, and it was the, the best decision of my life. Um, I didn't have family or anyone there. It just, you know, I didn't really speak Chinese, too. I had, yeah. to, I had to crash course it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? Are you not Chinese? I was like, uh, well, here's a point. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent five years in China, did two startups over there, both of them in healthcare, one in a 200 employee startup, um, business intelligence for pharmaceuticals and devices. Okay. And then the second was for Cardinal Health, um, the, the, the American company, but in, a, in the Chinese headquarters. And we did an internal, what we're calling like corporate startups. So I uh, did that for two years for Cardinal and both of them were really successful. And, you know, I started really paying attention to like the, the healthcare market, especially on the payer side, because um, both Brazil and China, they have what we call national reimbursement lists. So 
when I moved back to the U.S. because of a green card, I actually lost my green card. So sh- <laughs> <laughs> I called I called the embassy and they're like, "What the heck are you doing in China?" I'm like, "Brother, you know, I, I got a, a degree in Brazil. Like, no one cares in America. You want me to work for Walmart?" <laughs> So then he gave me back my Greek card, so I had to go back to America. <laughs> like, like you have to live in America, like, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, uh, luck shined on me, and I got a scholarship for at Carnegie, and uh, the co-founder of uh, the previous startup that I worked after school was also a alumni from from Carnegie. And we had the fact that we have, you know, a little bit more than 10 mil. Um, but I mean, we know that that's not enough, mm-hmm. but we have to be resourceful. So my first task is, you know, a new hire fresh out of MBA was like, you know, how do we go to market for this breast cancer device? And, you know, looking at how, what's the budget of, most of like new devices out there, you know, the exact science is actually public traded. So they actually did this disclose all of their expenses. And we're talking like hundreds of millions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, researching about the industry, you know, US had this alternative payers under the employer, you know, insurance. And that's how I landed into like specific self-insured plans and, you know, um, and got to like, love it i think that's sort of like the best way us is doing to improve healthcare um even though cigna blue cross all these great you know payers will talk how they're shifting to value-based care but it's too complicated right you have a physician that's doing fee-for-service for like 50 years it doesn't want to care about value-based that's don't hurt his pocket right now he doesn't yeah so so value-based care, it's really being well done in the self-insured space. And to be honest, it's the best thing for a patient. Yeah. So is, is that what uh, Sano Invest in, is focused on? Because you, you, so you're the co-founder of that, right? So you're focused on the, the self, uh, self-funded insured or, or what, yes. what is the proper yeah. title for this? Okay. Yes, that's, uh, so that's exactly what we do. So um, after two years in the the breast cancer company, um, I round up my kind of like business partners and realized that we had something very special. So we built, we created Send Invest. So basically Send Invest is a commercial accelerator for anything that's primary care. Uh, we just don't do inpatient because hospital is like a seven headed beast and it's very complicated. So most of everything we do, it's, it's for our patient, um, radiology and, uh, physical therapy. So we help these new companies to understand an alternative, in my opinion, a better way to like access the market. Um, is through, you know, employer-based reimbursement. So what uh, self-insured plans do is, even though they are, you know, like potentially paying Blue Cross or Cigna to provide, um, you know, healthcare services to their employees, 
they have the autonomy to dictate what they want to be covered under their plans. So a, a, a part of these employers, they decide to cut uh, Cigna or Blue Cross all the way out and manage them themselves. So they will hire plan designers, uh, third-party administrators, and then you know run the whole in the insurance cost themselves. So what that does is that it makes the head of finance, the VP of human resources, really look deep down and realize, you know, care, do I really care about the costs or is it really about, you know, does the safety, the overall health, the wellness of my employees. So they realize that, you know, by, you know, investing in their own primary care. And if, if you go most of big companies today, like the, the data showed the companies over 5,000 employees, you know, 99% uh, of them are self-insured. And we're looking at three to four million members today have their own primary care built by their companies. So uh, the yeah. companies are hiring full-on staff, like primary cares, nurses, physical therapists, to really provide like 24-7 um, coverage for their members. And... Um, no co-pays are deductibles, which means they actually get mad if the patients are not going to that primary care. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So this is, you know, drastically different than probably what most uh, device companies hear about, right? When, when they hear reimbursement, you know, they think about going through the probably traditional reimbursement pathway. Um, yeah. So is, is, is this easier, quicker, you know, what's, what's the, what's the incentive to, to this model? Because I think that, you know, there's, after you get FDA approval, um, it does, you know, still take time for market That's when adoption. The, battle, the real battle begins. Right, 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 right. So, so market adoption is certainly an issue. Is, is, is this a quicker path to that? Uh, I would say this is like the more efficient path if okay. you have kind of like uh, resources constraint. So the way I like to think is you're, uh, this um, kind of like channel or niche, call it, it's never going to replace your Medicare, your Blue Cross, your Aetna, Cygnus, uh, Humana's. It's just, it's a, it's a, you know, Medicare is the 800-pound gorilla that everyone wants to go for, and that's what you should be going for. But if you don't have $100 million, what do you do, right? Um, so the self-insured plans provide what I would call a new way of uh, attacking the market because not only they provide you with faster reimbursement, but they're willing to listen to your claims, which that directly impacts on how you look at health economics, which is completely different than how you would do it for Medicare. Um, and you get, you know, kind of like money faster, which that allows you to gather uh, not only um, patient, call it data using your devices, you'll be able to, you know, have that call it dossier that 
you're going to submit to the American Medical Association to, you know, either have an UCPD code for you or, you know, the U.S. Prevent Task Force to say this could be approved under a medical necessity. So you get an A or B uh, rating. And then you go to like Medicare and Blue Cross and say, hey, guys, you know, we have our CPT. We have our rating from U.S. Prevent Task Force. I think it's time for, us, for you guys to reimburse us. So before that path was really the out of pocket. Right, so if you have your new medical device and you have to go get all these two things, you basically have to pay doctors to use your product and you have to pay uh, patients. So that's where most of your budget would go. So today, you know, if you have something truly innovative that's gonna tweak the needles of cost and health healthcare, you're doing something good, um, you have a alternative way to like get to the same end goal. Mm-hmm. but with less resources. So it's like a, so, so you look at it as more of like a parallel path. It's a parallel path. So we're okay. self-insured space is roughly 40 million members. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint because uh, we have to use um, a public database called uh, file 5500 and that's not mandatory uh, for every company to fill. So the ones that we are aware and they fill, you know, it's roughly 40 million members and they're um, nine billion dollar assets so it's not small which is perfect for your year one and two you know so that you can build that hockey stick sales in terms of volumes sure yeah okay very cool um do you have some uh, specific examples of of you know where that you could share uh where this is you know played out well for a company or how they've you know utilized this strategy yeah um so I, I probably can't really give like the actual name of the companies or anything. But, sure, that's uh, fine, yeah. Um, so we have um, a client that uh, has a uh, computer-aided device approved by the FBA um, for MRI uh, readings on breast cancer. Okay. I, um, I think they've been on the market for a couple of years now. Um, they're on that stage where they got approved last year. They're still trying to get inside uh, radiology centers. Uh, their business model is a very traditional business model where, you know, you charge for your software to the radiology center. And then, you know, depending on volume, you give them a discount or not. But there's no reimbursement code for uh, MRI cats. That's the reality. So it becomes a bear for radiologists to adopt, regardless how amazing your technology is, just because you're taking money out of his pocket and he's not happy. <laughs> right. Um, so what we're doing uh, to help them out is we are reassessing sort of like what their health economics will look like, and then helping them understand that there's potentially different pathways for pricing instead of charging the the radiologist for this upfront fee cost in terms of like licensing. So, you know, we have access to like a couple of like of our partners in terms of uh, claims data. So. 
uh, we can go back and look, you know, how many MRIs they had, how many mammograms they had, how many patients they have, what's their expected cost, what the actual cost. And um, you know that pricing transparency in the U.S. is a complicated thing. Um, so, you know, West Coast to East Coast, you have like different costs of mammograms. So we went and we got all their data and what that makes it special is because you tailor really to that plan. And it's very different when you do a model for like, as you're like a public health consultant where you're like, you know, 150 million Americans, if 10% use it is your, that's not how it works. You know, most yeah. of plans will have on average 2000 members and you know, like 150 million Americans uh, percentage points to a 2,000 members, just not apples to apples. So, so we went in, we calculated the new um, healthcare um, economics. And what's interesting is that for self-insured plans, uh, you know, a lot of the, the costs we we'll call like full-time employee replacement costs, we could actually, you know, we're allowed to go burden in because a day that that employee doesn't go to work, it's money lost to that company. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that your head of, you know, operations gets breast cancer. It's just like, how do you even replace that person? Right. <laughs> right. So they're willing to take a bigger um, kind of like um, health economics value because they understand how important this is for their employees. So that's sort of like additional benefit of the space. Um, then secondly, uh, there's like with every go-to-market uh, strategy, you have that you know early adopters, laggards. You know it, the whole you know um, customer segmentation still does apply to the industry. So what Santa Invest does differently is that we have you know a good understanding of our partners and who are the ones who are willing to listen and give you honest feedback and you know cheer for you to like actually work because they can see the potential of your product or service that will improve the overall health um health score of their employees so then we do what we call like you know these pilots uh and then once you have all the pilots you have uh, we call it like a white paper that it's basically a marketing material to prove your health economics to you know, an actual real life situation application. So with that, you basically are, you know, you get your first client out of that pilot, but with that material, so San Invest will put inside the rest of the self-insured plans that we, our partners manage. Um, and uh, so that's basically what San Invest does. So we have like this one, two, three kind of like, recipe to help your company to you know access the market in an easier way because at the end of the day um even if you go to full insured plans you still have to do the same legwork in a sense because blue cross florida is completely different than blue cross california so different decision makers different um processes so you still have to go you know pitch for both so um when people think about you know, like, hey, I'm getting like, you know, 10 million members through Blue Cross. Well, the legwork's still the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, that's that. I think that's helpful. You know, this was a largely um, uh, new field for me. That I know the first time we talked, I really wasn't really really even aware of this um, that this existed. Um, so this has been helpful. Um, what else you got for me in terms of uh, this space? Anything else? Anything else we're missing? Yeah, I think this is like um, to be honest, this is the next trend. Um, Think of uh, the current economic scenario that we're at right now, right? Um, we really don't know what the impact is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And more than ever, you know, actually last year was already a big shift, like in terms of like we're looking at newer accounts in terms of like employers willing to go self-insured um, because they're realizing um like just last week, we closed a new account, um, an automaker, and they're spending like 30, $40 million a year in healthcare costs. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, they're realizing that, you know, if they don't go in and get their hands dirty and really care and pay attention, um, no one's going to do it, but the cost is still going to be there. And every year the cost is going to go up. Um, it's not about to blame, you know, primary cares or specialties. It's just really like the way that the industry works, you know, every year, you know, the portfolio managers are going to require, you know, additional growth from their assets and, you know, insurance is the same. You're, you're seeing so much cash and you need to make it bigger. So, um, companies are not really willing to keep funding profits of insurance companies anymore. Mm-hmm. So like this automaker, he actually um, is doing kind of like uh, a, a, a hybrid shift. So they have more than, you know, 15,000 employees. So they're taking state by state and you know, doing a rollout of like a self-insured model. So I think this is a trend that's going to happen with the industry itself. I mean, as far as we know, like, you know, all the big guys like from Apple, Amazon, JPM, you know, they all have it already. Um, But the smaller guys are actually uh, getting together and doing uh, what we call um, uh, near site clinics. So one clinic of a primary care would be serving, you know, 10, 12 self-insured plans and both and all of them will pitch in together, you know, to cover costs for their, for their patients. Um, the fact that, you know, they're looking at it, it's not just because it's good. Um, mm-hmm. We have really solid data now from the last five, 10 years. Um, just on drug costs, we're talking meetings. Um, cases were like, we got 20% reduction just on drug costs. And then- Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's like on um, primary care costs, what we call like pay per month per member. Um, it's an apples to apples comparison between full insured and some insured. Uh, we're looking at meetings like anywhere between, you know, 10 to 15 it's like on average um and then we have additional like surgery costs depends on how deep the submission wants to go 
So some TPAs and plan designers will go all the way to negotiate with hospitals. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at least a 10% reduction overall, you know, healthcare costs. But that's not just it, you know, like it's really about managing the cost year over year. So before um, companies would have to budget every year, you know, additional five, 10% increase on their healthcare costs, right? Just because that's the industry. Mm-hmm. Now, what they're realizing is that they don't need to budget for an increase um, as long as the cost stays the same and the overall patient healthness is increasing, they are happy. You know, mm-hmm. like the automakers, they don't care if you're spending 30 or 40 million you know, or 10% less. They care right now they're spending 10% less, but for next year, if they're spending the same thing, it's a win, it's a home run for them because now they understand how to manage their costs, now they understand what's the expectations. And before it was all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, how does that, uh, how would this model be affected by uh, if, if the U.S. did move into a, you know, like a single payer healthcare system? Would that affect this model at all? Honestly, it would affect in the beginning because uh-huh. we're going to look at, you know, like costs and companies are going to make decisions based on costs. But a big chunk of the benefits in terms of like understanding why employees stay in, in these companies over other companies, right? Like when you're looking at Google and Facebook, man, <laughs> Apple, these, um, you know, my friends are like, you know, high paying um, IT jobs. Mm-hmm. They would just look at the benefits. They're like money, you know, dime over dime is roughly the same. What we're yeah. going to do is roughly the same. So we're really looking at benefits because in, in the U.S., honestly, that's what breaks you. Right. So companies of initially, this is how I see it, they potentially would change. But the thing is, um, it's really hard to change the mentality of the healthcare system in the U.S. over the next 10 years. It's just, it's complicated because if you have a for-profit payer system, you will always have, you know, complications with how your healthcare is being treated. Like for instance, I'll give you a couple numbers, right? Um, a breast cancer survivor, 60% of them actually file for bankruptcy. And then, you think like, wow, Obamacare wasn't the greatest thing in the world. Uh, yeah, everyone got insurance, great. But then you're not looking at what's actually happening to these patients. Mm-hmm. So um, insurances are covering, you know, for instance, first year allowed coverage of breast cancer, depending on stage, for a stage four, you know, sort of like terminal, 20% chances of survival. Um, they're covering $120,000 a year. You're really looking at cost of late treatment. We're talking half a million a year. Mm-hmm. So what does patients do? You know, so I, that's why I feel like there is going to be a initial shift, but self-insureds are not gonna go anywhere because in the end of the day, um, companies realize that their biggest assets is their early employees. Um, mm-hmm. You can have the best IP, you can have the best, 
you know, business model, competitive advantage, but you don't have a good solid execution, doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. I, that, that, that's, that's spot on. So we talk about that with startup companies all the time is, um, you know, the building of the team, whether it's your full-time employees, whether it's your consultants, whatever it is. Um, and, and, uh, Tim Blair, who was a guest a few episodes ago, uh, made a comment. I think he's a horse guy. So he made the comment of he'll take a B horse and an A jockey. Um, and his analogy is, you know, the building of the team is as important as the technology because the people solve the problems. So, um, well, in most cases, let's take AI and machine learning out of this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a good point and it's good to see that, uh, I mean, that's why Amazon and Google and Facebook and Apple are all where they are because, they take care of their employees. I think in the medical device industry, the one that's been getting the most discussion around benefits is Edwards. I, I see Edwards Life Sciences constantly in the top um, in terms of benefits. And I'd be interested to know if they are a, uh, a self-funded plan as well. Um, but, but anyways, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see employees or, or employers are taking advantage of this and investing in other employees and making sure they're healthy. Yeah, I think that's sort of like the one thing I'm really excited about um, outlook in terms of like healthcare going forward. Um, I honestly used to be a true believer in healthcare for all um, mm-hmm. when, you know, Clinton first um, shared that early on. I was really excited. I was like, what the heck is wrong with America? I didn't even pass this. Yeah. <laughs> Today, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. It's just I, I think both sides are like, you know, have their own internal agenda. So uh, before I was like, what the heck? Yeah. And now I look at healthcare for all and I'm like, it's just not going to work. I mean, look at Obamacare. I, I love Obama. I think he's like a great dude, but yeah. And he, he couldn't measure the impact of his program to the population. It's just, you know, he used the KPI that he wanted to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, if, if uh, there's something good about capitalism is that, you know, we're actually looking at costs and we're looking at our employees. And um, there is a great incentive for companies to actually keep looking at, you know, how do I make my employees healthier? Um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited with that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the theory makes sense. It's just whether the execution happens. Right. Um, but, but I, I definitely understand. And, and um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming Apple is, is, is part of this program and Facebook and Google or take advantage of them. Um, and I that think, would make sense. Yeah. I think uh, there's another KPI you can look like if you go to um, what we're calling like low middle market private equity, right? Um, if you look at, there's companies called uh, Premise Health, HealthStat, WeCare, um, Medical ND. So these are all what we call worksite primary care operators. Okay. Okay. So most of them, they don't put a dime in. Um, the employer actually builds the, the asset, the clinic. And they just come in and they operate. So think of, uh, you know, from a business model perspective, basically uh, elevator maintenance company, right? Mm-hmm. Really straightforward valuation. Like see how many years they have in terms of like a contract. What's the 
fee associated per month per employee. And this market is hot. Like the trading multiples are way above average from a low middle market. And, you know, like I can't tell you much, but we know in the industry, like who's going to do what. And they're basically, you know, over the rainbows because yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, like, like I'm raising for a startup and I got 300 no's in two weeks and yeah. I'm depressed. He got like a hundred yeses and he haven't even pitched. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the frustrations of raising money right there. Right. So I, I well, that story is basically, to tell you, like, I, I think primary cares and, and works and self insurance are actually, you know, getting a stronger uh, tailwind uh, with the whole COVID economic situation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, private equities are looking at, um, you know, the industry with better eyes. You know, it's basically what's happening with the healthcare industry consolidation of, of patient clinics, you know, radiologists, OBGYNs, you just, just name it. So the fact that you know, primary uh, private equities are gonna, you know, be willing to put more money to fuel this growth of uh, worksite clinics. That's gonna um, make the space more aware of like what the savings are, what the opportunities are, where, you know, the outcomes are. So we'll have, we'll create sort of like more data, one necessarily call it transparency, but you know, the fact that we'll have more data, people looking at it, it's actually just gonna benefit the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Great. Um, great. Okay. What else, uh, what else in terms of this field haven't we talked about? I think we've, I think we've covered most of it. Um, you know, if I look at the, uh, the slide deck you had sent me, it looks like we covered a lot of it. Um, is there anything else we missed? I think, um, Probably just the the key takeaway of um, our conversation today. And if your listeners are you know, really inter- interested in the space, the key takeaway is that self-insured pairs is like we said in the beginning alternative. It's uh, a easier and faster way for you to get reimbursed. Obviously, it's not the holy grail. Um, you're not going to replace your Medicare's and your Blue Crosses but it gives you the flexibility to explore a different business model and opportunities and see in, you know, faster the outcome of your product, you know, benefiting the patients and provides you that time and cash flow so that you better prepare yourself to that Medicare battle. So I think um, that's, probably the key takeaway to your listening yep. today it's like worth exploring um yep obviously it's not for everyone um it, it is a niche sales channel yeah so so if i'm a medical device ceo company um w- when when do i reach out to to you to discuss this is this is this something i do as i'm planning you know uh so 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 let me frame it this way um yeah. If when I when I work with companies uh, and they come to me and want to discuss regulatory, I also bring up their reimbursement strategy and their clinical strategy, and it's worth yeah. thinking about at the beginning. Yeah. Is that is that when they would engage you as well, or 
Yeah. Good. No, I would say not really. Okay. Um, we would prefer that once they are done with their um, FDA clearance. But okay. I think what's special is it's what's going to make you different than other color like CROs out there is that today you're aware of this space. So mm-hmm. it would really help you help your clients to understand how funny is going to happen, right? Like, so today, most of ventures, uh, family offices, they really want to understand what's your path to commercialization prior to investment. So they will come to you and say, hey, doing how do I actually get this done? Like you'll explain to them like procedure codes, reimbursements, and you know, sometimes they'll be like, mm, this is really hard. There's no like, there's no procedure code for you. There's no reimbursement. This is not, it's auxiliarity for them, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But, now you be able to help them say, hey, there's an alternative here that it's worth exploring. Yep. And hope it gets you more deals too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, to, but to, to, to be clear, it, it's still worth exploring even if there are codes and, and reimbursement options through a more of a traditional path, right? This, is, this could also be just a alternative it's actually, path. Right? It's actually even better. It's not a requirement. So that's the yeah. beauty of self-insured plans. There's no requirements of CPT codes and procedures. I mean, they run their own uh, yeah. plan. So the TPA can actually make up a new code for this new service. Got it. Okay. So there's, there's no requirements, but if you do already have it, great. If you don't, don't bother. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, well, awesome. I think that was, uh, uh, very helpful. I mean, it's, it was helpful for me. I, I, I apologize. I didn't ask a lot of questions, but kind of soaking it all in. This is uh, a new area for me. So, um, I think that's just about everything that, that, that uh, I wanted to talk about today. Did you have anything else burning you wanted to talk about outside of the self-funded market? Um, no, I think uh, the, at the end of the day, I think we're all here, me and you. It's, you know, we're trying to share knowledge and expertise and information to your listeners. And we're all hoping that we can make a small difference in improving the healthcare um, especially here in the U.S., our country, our home, and we're seeing like, you know, so much, so much pain out there. And you know, healthcare is supposed to be a good thing. We're supposed yeah. to take advice, but we're actually breaking it. So, mm-hmm. if we can make something that makes it better, um, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's w- well said. Um, and and you know, for for anyone listening, if if you want to get a hold of Alberto. Um, I'll include a, a link to your uh, LinkedIn page in the show notes. So depending on what application you're listening on, you look up or down an inch. Um, and uh, if not, you know, feel free to reach out to the podcast and I can put you in touch with Alberto. But uh, I think that'll wrap it up for the episode. Alberto, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. A great yeah. one. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments for myself or Alberto, there's a link to our LinkedIn pages in the show notes or email the podcast and I'll make sure you get in touch with Alberto. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review and feel free to visit the webpage www.projectmedtech.com or send us an email at projectmedtechpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day.